Our God is awesome. Our God is awesome. Every week when we come to church, we come here and we set our eyes on Jesus Christ. We set our eyes away from circumstance. We set our eyes away from self. We set our eyes away from men. And we set our eyes on Jesus Christ. Our, our author, our creator, the perfecter of our faith. Our faith is being built. Our faith is being strengthened. Our, our faith is being stoked. And he's the one that completes it. He's the one that perfects it. But our eyes have to be set on him. Amen? Amen. Uh, we're going to be spending a lot of time in Romans tonight. And uh, we're going to be a lot of time in Romans 5. Um, so if you don't have a Bible and you'd like a Bible, um, raise your hand and one of our willing servants will get a Bible to you and you can open up to Romans 5. Does anyone need a Bible? Just shoot your hand up there. Anyone? Anyone? My, uh, there we go. I knew, I knew. See, I was looking this way. I don't know if that was the Holy Spirit or if just because David was looking around. All right. Michael, how about you? You got one, buddy? All right. He, we need another one over here. So I have three. Three. Thank you, Jesus. I think we're good. Thank you very much. So we're going to read from Romans 5. Uh, I'm going to read it uh, out of the NIV, and then later on I'm going to circle back and read it out of the Message Bible also. And we're going to kind of camp here tonight. Uh, we'll have a couple other scriptures, but we're camping on Romans 5. And you know what's awesome? As as we prepare to, to bring the word, um, there's no doubt in my mind that two dozen of you after the service are going to be like, that was for me. How, you know, why were you preaching to me? Why are you targeting me? And, and I will say you are being targeted. It's just not me who's doing the targeting. It's, it's the Holy Spirit. It's God. But it's cool when God gives us a word that just so hits where we are. And we as a church body, it's not just one or two of us that are in this place, but there's a handful of us. So we can trust God. We can set our eyes on him and we can receive the fullness of what he has for us. Amen. All right, let's pray. Lord, right now is an act of our will. Lord, we set our eyes on you. We look to you with eyes wide open, with hearts wide open, with ears wide open. And we invite you, Holy Spirit, to bring truth to us, to feed us, to bring revelation, to strengthen us, to encourage us. Lord, as an act of my will, Lord, I just yield to you and I ask, Lord, that it wouldn't be me that's heard, but Lord, let it be your words, your heart, Lord. And let it go straight to each one of our hearts. Lord, bring revelation of your love for us and the greatness of our Savior, Jesus Christ. In Jesus' name, amen. So let's read Romans uh, chapter 5, the second part of verse 2 through 5. And we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. Not only so, but we also rejoice in our sufferings because we know that suffering produces perseverance. Perseverance produces character. And character produces hope. And hope does not disappoint us because God has poured out his love into our hearts by the Holy Spirit whom he has given us. 
this is this is one of those interesting passages in the word because it talks about us rejoicing in suffering rejoicing in suffering not tolerating suffering not enduring suffering but rejoicing in the midst of suffering now before i go any further we need to eliminate the why we're just going to flat out eliminate the why we're going to as we share this i'm going to share how god and his plan and his love and his mercy brings it all about for our good and for his glory but in the back of our minds, it's natural to assume the why. Lord, why am I going through suffering right now? Why am I going through this? Why is this taking place? We're going to eliminate the why. Because I don't know and you don't know. And that's pretty much the way God wants it. You look at Job. Look at the story of Job in the Bible. Job endured tremendous hardship. Death and loss and all these things. Let me go ahead and throw in, he later got back twice as much as he ever lost. But during that time of loss, during that time, you know, people are saying, just curse God and die, dude. Just curse God and die. Please. Because everyone around you dying says, I'm your buddy and I don't want to be next. So just curse him and die, please. And Job wouldn't do it. But Job asked God, why? A why question 77 times in that book. 77 times he asked why. Why, 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 why? Guess how many times God answered his why question? Zero. The closest thing to a response that Job got was, I am God and you are not. Did you create the hippopotamus? God's pretty impressed with the hippopotamus. Okay, that's like, that's one of his creations. He's like, oh, I done good on that one. We look at God and he's saying, did you do this? Did you do that? Did you, do you create the lightning in the sky? Did you separate the light from the dark? Did you do these things? I did. I am God and you are not. So by eliminating the why, we eliminate a question that's just going to cause us frustration. You're not going to get an answer for it. We rarely get answers to the why. I think it's because we're asking God to justify himself, and he does not have to do that. God does not have to justify himself to you or to me, to any of us. He is God and we are not. I'm a father of of three kids. And there are times I'll explain myself to my kids, and there's times I won't. And that's a legitimate answer. There's times my answer is because I said so. And that's a legitimate response. Now, hippie parenting specialists would say it's not, but, you know, it is. It's legitimate. Because I'm your dad, because I said so. And there's times I'll say, because now I've got a check in the spirit, and God's telling me no, so I'm obedient to my father, so no. And then they love that answer. They're like, well, why did God say it? Because he's God, he doesn't have to tell you nothing. If we eliminate the why, guys, then we can focus on asking the right questions and, and seeking the Lord for answers that he's quick and wants to reveal to us and that he wants to do so today. I want to read this passage in uh, in the Message Bible. Um, Andy, we're going to jump ahead to that and then we'll jump back to it. But it just is so powerful. Uh, I, I want to read this passage again. So if we can read uh, Romans 5, we're reading 1 through 5 in the Message. 
by entering through faith into what God has always wanted to do for us, set us right with Him, make us fit for Him, we have it all together with God because of our Master Jesus. And that's not all. We throw open our doors to God and discover at the same moment that He has already thrown open His door to us. We find ourselves standing where we always hoped we might stand, out in the wide open spaces of God's grace and glory, standing tall and shouting our praise. There's more to come. We continue to shout our praise even when we're hemmed in with troubles because we know how troubles can develop passionate patience in us and how that patience in turn forges the tempered steel of virtue, keeping us alert for whatever God will do next. In alert expectancy such as this, we're never left feeling shortchanged. Quite the contrary. We can't round up enough containers to hold everything God generously pours into our lives through the Holy Spirit. With this passage, we, we see we see the intro, we see the body, we see the conclusion, guys. This is the message. But when we dig a little deeper in the Word, there are some incredible things that come out. So uh, if you have at home, uh, if you get on the computer and, and you go to blueletterbible.org, one of the best tools they have there is they have the Strong's Concordance where that you can look at each word and see what the original Hebrew in the Old Testament or Greek in the New Testament translation is. And we're going to go through some of these today because they're really powerful. So reading, once again, kind of quoting back from, from the NIV. And we rejoice in the hope of the, glo- of the glory of God. That word rejoice, kalchimea. By the way, I'm reading a bunch of Greek words and I, I reserve the right to mispronounce every one of them. It's translated as this, to boast, rejoice, make known, whether with reason or without. Whether with reason or without, to boast, to rejoice, to make known. That's the word for rejoice. The word hope is elpis. It's from the root word elpo, which means to anticipate. Elpis is translated as this, expectation of good joyful and confident. And then the word glory. So we're, we're going by, and we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. Glory is doxa. Good, op- good opinion, judgment, or view resulting in praise, honor, magnificence, dignity, and grace. So I think it's awesome that Paul starts off this, pa- this passage with praise. The encouragement to praise the admonition to praise. But if we stopped right there and you know, we read this and say, okay, we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. We might be mistaken and think that means that we will not endure hardship. And that's not true. That doesn't mean that we will always be rescued from our struggle. Daniel was not rescued from his struggle. The lion's den. Jesus was not rescued from his struggle, the torture of the cross. Thank God they weren't rescued from their struggle. And thank God that we aren't rescued from ours. But all throughout this, we better keep in mind, we have to set our eyes on Jesus Christ.
We're going to have hardships. We're going to have struggles. And there are some that we're going to be saved out of and there's some that we're not. And this word for rejoice says, whether with reason or not, whether we have reason to or not, whether the evidence mounts against us or for us, we praise Him. That word glory, good judgment, good opinion, or view resulting in praise, honor, magnificence. Friends, do we trust God's good judgment for our life? God's good judgment for our life. God's plan. God's opinion. His glory. Not not ours. Do we trust God's magnificent solution for our lives? See, that's what this is all about, is trusting Him, setting our eyes on Jesus. Someone keep track. I'm going to say it a hundred times. It's all about setting our eyes on Jesus. What do we do in the midst of our suffering? What's the natural thing to do and then the hard thing not to do? Hmm? Complain? What did you say? We have two complaints. Do we have a third? <laughs> Complain. Set our eyes on ourselves. Freak out because we don't have the solution or because it's not going according to our plan. We need to believe that God will use the difficult times to work together for our lives, for our good, for His glory. And we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. Not only so, but we also rejoice in our sufferings. So I gave you the definition of the word rejoice. Sufferings is the ellipsis. And it's translated as this. Pressing together. Pressure. Crushing. That's the word for suffering. That's what we're supposed to rejoice in. The pressure, the pushing together, the pressing together, the crushing. This this isn't hyperbole. This is truth. This is truth. This isn't one of those encouraging hallmark moments that's meant to carry us through. This is truth. Either we embrace it or we deny it and, and suffer the consequences. We embrace it. We set our eyes on Christ and we rejoice through this and we look for the ways that He will turn it for our good because our eyes are set on Him anyways. It's not hard. We're not going to miss it if our eyes are set on Him. We're not going to miss what He's given us if, if it, our eyes are set on Him. If you're expecting something good for me and you're looking over there and I go to give it to you, yeah, you, you, you could miss it. If our eyes are set on him, ain't no way we miss it. Not only so, but we rejoice in our sufferings. Why in the world should I rejoice in my suffering? It's just a, it's a crazy concept. But we do it because God wants to bring glory out of our crushing. He wants to bring good things out of our opportunity for growth, out of our crushing. He wants others to see His glory by how He brings us out of it. I'm going to say that again. God wants to bring good out of our crushing and He wants others to see His glory by how He brings us through it. Our suffering is not just about us. 
our suffering is about trusting our king and the plan that he has for us. Oftentimes as Christians, we, we kind of make it all about us. We make salvation about us because he died for me. Yes, he did die for you. But Jesus died for us so that we could do with the Father. He did it for his Father. We think, oh, Jesus just did it for us. No, Jesus did it for his Father. To please his Father, he laid down his life to please God so that we could be with the Father, so that we could be reunited. It pleased God, so he willingly did it. Does that make sense? It's not about us. Romans 8.28 says this, And we know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose for them. He uses all things for the good of those who love God. That's you. That's you. And called according to his purposes. That's you. That's us. So all things work for our good. But once again, we set our eyes on Jesus. We've got to trust him. The word perseverance, because we know that suffering produces perseverance. The word perseverance is hypomene, translated as this. Hopeful steadfastness endurance, the characteristic of not swerving from purpose and loyalty to faith by even the greatest trials and suffering. And this is what God wants to build in us. What an incredible trait. How many of you guys want this trait of hopeful steadfastness, endurance, the characteristic of not swerving from purpose and loyalty to faith by even the greatest trials and suffering? How many of you guys want that quality? You want that trait. You want, isn't that awesome? Isn't that a wonderful trait? Guess what? It's not free. We don't get it easily. We get it through what? Through suffering, through the crushing, through the pressing. But I want this. I want to skip that and get this. (laughs) Let's pray. Lord, this is what we want. He said no. Okay. We get it as a result of coming through that pressing time and setting our eyes on Him. We can't jump straight to the tempered steel of virtue. Did you guys note that? Did you did you did you hear that? Let's pull up uh, Romans five three through five again in the message. When I read that, that just fires me up. You know, ladies, I don't know if you, that fires you up. But I know the men are all fired up because we want to be all about the tempered steel of virtue. So, women, you can be all about the tempered steel of virtue too. It's awesome. So, uh, let's let's do uh, verse three. Let's go back. There's more to come. We continue to shout praise even when we're hemmed in with troubles because we know how troubles can develop passionate patience in us. That passionate patience is the perseverance we just read. And how that patience, in turn, forges the tempered steel of virtue. What what does the tempered steel of virtue do? What's one of the things it brings about? It keeps us alert for whatever God will do next. In alert expectancy such as this, we're never left feeling shortchanged. How many of us feel a little gypped from time to time? Feel a little shortchanged? 
I mean, there's times, yeah, Lord, I thought it'd be a little different. Lord, I thought it'd be a little easier. I thought it'd be a little better. I thought the blessing would kind of represent more money in my wallet. Uh, I thought, Lord, I feel a little gypped. We've all felt that way. But once again, feeling that way is a result of setting our eyes on ourselves. It really is. It's the result of setting our eyes on ourselves instead of saying, You're my king. You're my Lord, my Savior. You're my healer, my deliverer. You paid the price so that I could have life. And I thought my life was good. And I looked back and, Lord, your life is so much better. And so, Lord, I, I look to you and I trust you. And although things aren't kind of unfolding the way I thought, Lord, I want your way and not my way. We have to constantly be setting our eyes on Jesus. Let's look at that word suffering again, philipsis. Pressing together, pressure, crushing. This word philipsis is used to describe the process of getting wine out of grapes and oil out of olives. It's the same word. Philipsis is the same word as used. Oftentimes in my beverages, I will have a slice of lemon or a slice of lime and I squeeze with the mighty strength of my index and thumb. And I'll squeeze as much juice as I can get out of it, which is often not a lot. I'm, I'm always going, there's still juice in there. So what do I do? I throw that dirty slice of lemon <laughs> into my drink hoping that the juice will fall out of it. But if I had crushing, if I had thalipsis, I imagine how much more lime and lemon I could get out of that. When we go through hardships, when we go through difficulties, we, we kind of know our limits, and that's kind of the index finger and the thumb. It's like, okay, Lord, I'm really being impressed. And he's like, no, because the good stuff hasn't come out yet. The good stuff hasn't come out of you yet. You've just been made to be uncomfortable. But for the good stuff to come out of you, there needs to be a crushing. For the wine to come out of you, where it's not just a grape anymore. See, a grape's great, but a wine, wine is precious and valuable. An olive is, is tasty, but olive oil is valuable. For the valuable stuff, to come out of us. We have to endure the crushing, the squeezing, the pressing for it to come out. And we rejoice in that. A couple weeks ago, I preached, talked about Paul's attempt to enter Asia and to visit the churches that he'd been before and how the Lord used it after shutting door after door after door. So let's read 2 Corinthians 1, 8 through 9, just kind of Paul's accounting of this. This is in the NIV. It says, We do not want you to be uninformed, brothers, about the hardships we suffered in the province of Asia. We were under great pressure. Can we stop for a second? Suffering, pressure, 
Paul's been there. Paul's writing about it now. We were under great pressure, far beyond our ability to endure. Far beyond our ability to endure. But yet he's writing this, so he made it, right? But at the time, it was far beyond. How many times do we walk through something and we say, Lord, this is too much. It's too much for me to endure. We were under great pressure, far beyond our ability to endure, so that we despaired even of life. Indeed, in our hearts, we felt the sentence of death. We felt like we were going to die. But this happened that we might not rely on ourselves, but on God who raises the dead. Oh my gosh, how awesome is this passage. Let's look at the fullness of that. He's like, we are pressed. We were in the midst of suffering. We didn't think we were going to make it out of it. We thought we were going to die. We thought we were dead. But here's the good news. Death isn't the end all be all when we serve Jesus Christ. We look to the one who raises the dead. We thought we were going to die. So we look to Jesus, the one who raises from the dead. The one who conquered death. In our lives, there's times we experience situations of death. So we look to Jesus, the one who kicked the tar out of death, who defeated death, who weakened death. We look to Jesus. Paul's difficult circumstance of pressure and despair and crushing did not change. His circumstance didn't change. So what did? His focus. His circumstance didn't change, but his focus did. We're, we're surrounded by circumstance that, I mean, we'd, we'd be a fool to ignore them or to not be impacted by them. But our focus must change so that our circumstance pales in comparison and then we trust God with the results of the circumstance. Does that make sense? We set our eyes on Jesus and we, and we trust Him with the results of the circumstance. Through the difficult experiences that we trust the Lord in, He forges virtue and character in our lives. And when this happens, when virtue and character are forged in our life, guess who we sound like when we speak? Guess who we look like in our actions? Guess who our life our lives represent who is the epitome the epitome of forged virtue when we set our eyes on Jesus through these difficult situations we come out of it looking and sounding and smelling and acting like Jesus and that is what God wants for us in the midst of this friends that is what God wants in the midst of this he wants us to have character. He wants us to have virtue. Whether we look and sound and act and live like Jesus. You know what? There's too many Christians running out there representing Jesus Christ that don't sound a thing like Him. 
or don't look like a thing like him, and they got no character. And that is not what God wants. He wants us looking and sounding like Him. So if we've got to suffer a little to get to that point where that He can use us, where that we can represent Him, small price to pay. I want that character. I want that virtue. But it only comes through the pressing. The good stuff only comes after you've been underneath this rock. Kind of puts it in perspective, huh? kind of puts it in a pretty good perspective. Why? Why is it in a better perspective than it was 10-15 minutes ago? Because we've set our eyes on Jesus and we've made it about Him and not about us. Isn't that amazing? We changed our focus. Whatever circumstance you walked in here with hasn't changed in the last 10-15 minutes, right? But if we want perseverance to be built in our life, if we want character to be forged in our life, our focus better have changed. It's good stuff. It's real good. Even though Daniel wasn't removed from the lion's den and had to spend the night there, God did not allow the lions to kill him. Even though Jesus wasn't rescued from the torture of the cross, Death did not defeat him because three days later he rose from the grave. More powerful than he was before going into that tomb. Romans 5, 3-5, paraphrased. This, this is just paraphrased, that passage we read. Troubles develop patience. We're going to start over. Paraphrased. Troubles develop passionate patience in us. That patience forges the tempered steel of virtue. The virtue keeps us alert for whatever God will do next. When we're alert and expectant, we never have to feel ashamed that we have put our trust in God. In fact, we can't round up enough containers to hold everything that He will pour out into us and through us through His Holy Spirit. That's this passage. That's what we just read. Anybody feel impressed right now? Anyone feeling a crushing going on in their life? Are you still relying on yourself? Or have you fully surrendered to the Lord? There can be great victory in suffering as long as as it leads us to Jesus. Are you rejoicing or are you defeated? Where are your focus, hope, and trust? What is suffering producing in you right now? If you're in the midst of suffering, what's it producing in you? Complaining? Grumbling? Bitterness, unforgiveness. Who do you want to look like when you want to come through this suffering? On the other end of this suffering, who do you want to look like? 
What does God want to be produced in the midst of our suffering? In the midst of our thalipsis? Wine. Oil. You know what's amazing? You know what's awesome? Wine and oil are two of the symbols of the Holy Spirit. They're representative of the Holy Spirit. Wine and oil. And it's the Holy Spirit that will pour out so much goodness upon us that we will not have enough containers to hold it. It's the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives. Pointing us to Jesus. If you're going through suffering right now and God decides not to bail you out, if you're going through suffering right now and God decides to not take you out of that lion's den, not to take you off that cross, not to take you out of that situation, do you have the faith to believe the one who raises from the dead? Do you have faith to believe that he will turn it for your good, for his glory? That that's not cliche or Christianese. That is truth. If we trust God, then the system really is beautiful. It really is. The suffering, the perseverance, the character, the hope, it's a beautiful system. Really, I mean, truly. Knowing that we can't get the character that God wants in us without a little pressing, without some crushing. We can't. It just doesn't come. And we wouldn't want it to get it cheap anyway. Because the people he wants us to be, the walk he wants us to walk is one that's genuine and real. There's enough fakes out there. If we're going to bear the name of Jesus Christ, let's, let's represent Jesus Christ. But when push comes to shove... We trust Him. We trust Him. We trust Him. We do all we can do, and then we trust Him. Sometimes doing all we can do is even the wrong thing, because sometimes we just get in God's way. We get out of God's way, and we trust Him. trust him we set our eyes on him God has great things for us and that doesn't mean that we are free from disappointment or hurt or suffering but our response better be looking to Jesus Christ you know it's a great response repentance you know what repentance, when you break it down, it means just realigning yourself with his purpose. Changing your mind so it's back to his mind. Changing your purpose so it's to his purpose. That's, repent, that's repentance. And it's a beautiful thing. He does have a purpose for each one of us. He has a plan for each one of us. we got to trust him. Let's pray.